How's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just just watching the game, having a bud. No, I I have I have <laughs> a liter of soda stream and I and I ate some uh, fifty cent ramen. So it's a reference. Is it? Oh, Dan, you disappoint me. Uh, is that from this movie? No, 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 no. It, remember, remember the 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 What's Up commercials for Budweiser? Yeah, yeah. Is that it, is they that called from those commercials? And it was over the no. It has it has nothing to do with the movie. I was just no. I know. Is it those commercials? Like, is that what they said in the the commercials? Yes. I mean, all all you remember is the, the What's Up. Yeah, that yeah, part. Of course. Yes. But that's how they start the commercial. That was um that was in the eras of the the frogs, right? Yes, and then they had one of the frog commercials where the frogs did the was up thing too. Mm. Mm-hmm. This is when Crossover. you could have a brand that had competing, uh, completely different brand strategies. Um, and oh, they still have that now. I don't know if I mean you don't watch commercials uh, or television, so you don't see Geico's commercials. But Geico is still running. They've got their award-winning, like ironic, hilarious, weird commercials, and then they still have the uh, little lizard guy running around. Like they have, they have like three different campaigns going. Most of them are bad. Some of them are good. The 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 ones from the Martin Agency are pretty good. Oh yeah, that reminds me of the um, uh, Allstate. Also does the same thing because they got the the Allstate guy, uh, and then they got the Mayhem guy, the Dennis from Thirty Rock. Yeah. May- mayhem uh they're only doing like i mean they're not doing like a whole series of mayhem like they used to i think they got one or two mayhems these days yep why why can't people just have brand cohesion that's what i really look for in my brands it's cohesion mm. uh so i look for products products <laughs> that, that are good Pro- products and services mm-hmm. uh that you desire to have uh what a what a revolutionary thought uh, well, I'm a little tired. <laughs> F F Y I. Wait, that's my line. You're reading the wrong line from the script. Oh, gosh darn it! That's because I'm so tired. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, is I I have had a somewhat long week, so uh, we we will we will be talking about this movie. But if for any reason at all, uh, you feel like talking more than me, I will take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> You'll take a nap. Yeah. How, how will I alert you to uh, wake up? Well, I have my uh, my Apple Watch on, so you can send me a text message, and it will vibrate my wrist. Mm. Mm-hmm. See, they don't have the uh, the digital the, the digital touch thing on the watch anymore. Mm. Yeah, what a shame. I could I could have double tapped you or sent you isn't, my heart rate or isn't something. That basically what you use to send um, penises back and forth with other people. That was it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You you send wang doodles to people. Oh, Wang Doodles. I'm glad it has a classy name. <laughs> I mean, it's a doodle, mm-hmm. and you don't want to be so clinical about it. So. Oh, right. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's nothing clinical about... Uh, Your Wang Doodle? Watch Doodles. Yeah, okay. Wang Doodles, yeah. All right. So, Ed, Eddie, <laughs> speaking of clinical, uh, we should talk about the sterile and very dry and boring Bad Boys 2. Bad um, Boys 2. Yeah, yeah. This is... As glorified by Edgar Wright in Hot Fuzz. It really is, and I I appreciate uh, Edgar Wright's unironic appreciation of Michael Bay's classic Bad Boys Two, uh, and I really is think it, is this peak Bay? Is this quintessential Michael Bay for you? I I feel like this hits, this touches all of the Michael Bay, um, things. This this includes all of it. Uh, you you have you have your 
uh, misogyny, your homophobia, your uh, weirdness with cameras moving constantly because he can't sit still for five seconds. Uh, you have you have continuity errors. You have uh, people just <laughs> shouting for no reason. I, it's it is a masterclass in Michael Bay. Now, of course, you could point to the Transformers movies that came later, or I don't know, the Island or something, and be like, "Look, look, look at this!" But it really those things just build off of Bad Boys Two. Yeah, while... those movies are kind of just like repeating the tropes that were established in Bad Boys Two. Yes, and while there were movies that Michael Bay had done prior to Bad Boys Two, uh, they weren't comp- they weren't they didn't ha- they didn't uh, have the full ensemble of Michael Bay's. Uh, Bayness on display. Uh, on uh, the Bayhem. Yes, yes. The, I guess you, we'll call you know it that, that he has cameras that say that on it. He does really. Okay, now he I don't has, want to say he, it anymore. He has some custom like lime green red cameras that were made for him that say Bayhem on the side. That's weird. When you get a red camera in red, it's in the name. I, that's gonna bother have, me. Uh, that's really gonna have, bother me. What uh, what the red folks uh, refer to as uh, stormtrooper models that are like all white versions of the red cameras. Okay. Well, I mean, I can I, see that because it's white's a neutral. It's just that green is is you know that's a contrasting color. So I just I don't. There you go. Sc- uh, I send you the link. Scroll down there. Take a look at that. Uh, they they are some. Uh, they are exactly as gaudy as you would expect Michael Bay cameras to be. They have this like giant clear crystal like skull red logo on the side and then the record buttons have a little star on them they're very uh, they're very fancy looking and they have a nice uh custom grips and little like pads for your head hideous Uh, it's 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 bayhamtastic it's definitely not going to create any reflections of vfx artists are gonna have to paint out is what i'm saying who is this lady that he was shooting for this oh he probably just uh it's for a victoria's secret thing um he shot either i mean because you can use the cameras for stills or video if you crank your shutter up enough because remember it's dsmc it's digital stills and motion cameras does anyone else think he's creepy is it just me um if you click on that picture with him and the two red guys the guy on the right looks kind of terrified Mm-hmm. <laughs> He looks like he's reevaluating his entire life. <laughs> uh, the tall guy, Jared Land, he's actually nice. He, he, I've met him. Okay. He Just... runs. He runs the company now that that Oakley boy is ostensibly retired. Ah. Uh, wait, he retired before the he made his red camera uh, phone. I mean, he's st- like I think the, the uh, phone is his pet project that he did in retirement. Yeah, he's, I mean, I, I don't know that he retired as much as he, um, the nerds on the forum made his blood pressure too high and his doctor told him like he needed to step away from day-to-day operations and, uh, yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, uh, now, other, other political reasons. Interesting. Um, now, fun fact. Fun fact. You ready for this mm-hmm. fun fact? Sure, very. Do you want to guess who Michael Bay's cousin-in-law is? Is it somebody from Star Trek? <laughs> Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> Wait, cousin-in-law? Yes. Is that a thing? Well, apparently, according to Wikipedia, Leonard Nimoy, parentheses, cousin-in-law, close parentheses. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His, his 
cousin Susan Bay is the widow of Star Trek actor Leonard Nimoy, whom he would go on to cast as the voice for Sentinel Prime in Transformers Dark of the Moon. Mm. Remember that? Um, remember that old chestnut? Dark of the yeah, Moon? Yeah, I, I made the mistake of clicking on some of his IMDb photos and... Mm. Uh, my goodness. So, like, he's no, he's no, he's quite he's a character. No, yeah, he's known for a few things when it comes to um, filmmaking. I mean, uh, I think people sort of just they 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 mention his his potential short tempered things, but mostly it's because he insists on shooting very fast and loose and kind of just like a, v- a very rapid pace of filming. So he gets a lot of footage, obviously, because he cuts every three seconds. So you need like a lot of footage. Um, but I think, you know, in this movie, some of those continuity errors, like there, there, you can see that footage is reused from different angles mm-hmm. on certain things, mm-hmm. uh, which not everyone may notice, uh, but is actually kind of economical and he can like make his action scenes like twice as long as they need to be and more chaotic because you've got angles from every different direction and crash cameras and stuff. Like I think, uh, in, in some of the, the, the Cuba stuff, he was shooting some of those scenes with like seven different cameras. Uh, especially like the exploding guy stuff. You know, I just realized I have all of this like behind the scenes knowledge of this movie in my head. And I think it's because I, I had the DVD or Blu-ray and I watched it a bunch of times mm. behind the scenes stuff. So uh, I'm just, I'm just now realizing that I have a lot of trivia from those featurettes in my head, but um, like how they bought that mansion, they blew up at the end. So uh, well, the mansion was going to be, the mansion was being torn down to uh, create a bunch more smaller homes or like condos or something. So mm-hmm. it was scheduled for demolition mm-hmm. and it was just sort of conveniently, uh, used for the movie for that purpose. Yeah, they 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 bought that partially incomplete uh, monstrosity so that they could blow it up. Mm-hmm. Which probably contributes to the uh, hundred thirty million dollar price tag. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially given that you know th- there is, I mean, there's there's a lot of craziness and there's certainly a lot of VFX stuff in here, but probably not as much as you might think in terms of hundred thirty million dollar budget. Yeah, no, there's, uh, there there is some visual effects work, but like you said, not that much of it. And uh, while it is more than Bad Boys Two, um, it, it's certainly nothing uh, uh, even approaching like Transformers or any of those those sorts no, of things. No, no, no. Uh, we, the VFX in this movie is uh, clever wipes that are not even remotely trying to be hidden, uh, like where you have. A camera following along with a helicopter that then suddenly dips down through an air vent and then into an underground nightclub and then between people's legs and then up through a glass window and then over a guy's shoulder and then down to an ashtray full of pills, like mm-hmm. all in one. Like that's not it. That's not trying to trick people into thinking like, look what we did with the camera guy and a jib and this is all one thing. Uh, it's very clearly stitched together in VFX, but it's it's done pretty well. I mean, I as we've covered on this podcast before, I am not a fan of camera moves that draw your attention to how impossible they are. <laughs> so, but that's ninety nine percent of this movie. Yeah, uh, which you know is is something that uh, Michael Bay and I definitely don't have in common is is our is our sensibilities when it comes to shooting things. But it's that's like, fine because I'm not shooting a... anything. <laughs> Even if the camera move is not like an impossibly long stitched together thing, you're watching it going like, wow, how did he get his camera that low to the ground with that wide of an angle lens and that close to the actor? Like that is impressive. He He's showing off even when he's not showing off. Yeah. I mean, some it, it seems that he 
sometimes uh, is not particularly interested in what he is shooting as much as he is interested in how he can shoot it. Um, and so you can wind up with scenes where there's just a bunch of wacky stuff happening, like uh, when they're having the uh, gunfight inside of the, uh, the 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 pink house. The, and, the Haitian drug den or whatever? Yeah, and the camera's spinning around through holes and things and up and down and sideways and all over the place. The, the, the circle dolly through through the doors? And not just the doors. Holes in the wall, uh, mm-hmm. holes in the doors. Um, and uh, the camera even rotates while it's going through. Um, so it's not even like repeating the same move. Uh, you know, you know they did that, right? I'm sure, I'm sure you can tell. Uh, they did the camera move and then they stopped the camera move and then they did a wipe when it went through quote unquote and <laughs> went to the other camera. Uh, the, 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 the doors are CG. Oh, so they took the doors out and they just put it, they built a, a 360 dolly track. Okay. Cause I know that the, um, the foreground stuff was all CG. The, Oh yeah. There's a lot of. Yeah, there's a lot of augmentation for that scene too. It has weird crispiness, uh, but the uh, <laughs> where you definitely notice the weird crispiness is in the car chase uh, at the the not the start of this movie, but one of the earlier action pieces of this movie because uh, there are CG cars chasing a CG truck, throwing CG cars at them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the innovation you're talking about the the, the bridge scene with the semi truck. Yes, yes, yes. The uh, the innovation there for for behind the scenes the scenesers that's not a word um is is that the they really did throw cars off of the thing but the Ferrari the, the hero car is CG yes and yeah yeah you can tell but uh, <laughs> you can tell uh, Sony Pictures ImageWorks did that uh, long before I ever got there um oh that is a bummer how cool would that have been if you got to work on this movie well it would have been impossible because I was in college um when no actually. Yeah, it was my like my first year of college, basically, because it was, was this two thousand three. I don't know. This is my second year of college. When you got the Sony and you were doing your interview, did you go like, "Man, I've watched Bad Boys two so many times, and I admire you guys' work so much. I just really want to work here." No, I, you, didn't, you didn't mention Bad Boys two at all in the interview. No, I talked about Spider Man two. I like Spider Man two more than you like this movie. I have seen this more than Spider-Man 2. You've probably seen this more mm-hmm. than you've seen a lot of movies. Yeah. Well, have you seen this more than you've seen Wrath of Khan? No, probably not. Uh, like I described in our last episode, uh, I have seen this, uh, I saw this a lot in college because uh, the people across the hall had it constantly playing on their DVD player, uh, just looping constantly over and over and over again. Um, and you'd always walk in on some part of this movie. Uh, and so even if you didn't like it, I, you know, you would grow to like it. Uh, you'd grow to have an appreciation for it. Had I gone to see this, like, opening weekend in a movie theater and sat down for the uh, uh, 147-minute running time, I don't think I would have liked it. Uh, I think it's something you should probably be exposed to in small doses because it's just, it's such an incredibly massive movie. Uh, and in no way does it require that you sit there from start to finish. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't Blade Runner. Like what they, what you have is a movie where there are action set pieces that are glued together with uh, character bits that they have. 
but you really just going from action set piece to uh, action set piece to action set piece to action set piece, uh, and that 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 is that's what moves everything forwards. And there is so much material there, uh, not in terms of the dense, nuanced, uh, wonderful screenplay, blah 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 stuff. But I just mean there's just a lot of movie uh, that there's. You could even make an argument that this could be two movies um, because there's just so much stuff there. Or you could even turn it into like a mini series. There's there's so much <laughs> stuff in this. It is. Uh, it, it does have one of the classic problems that a lot of modern action movies, and I don't know what a modern action movie now is, other than like a Marvel movie. Uh, but it, it has that problem of like way too many plot threads that go on way too long and way too many different directions. But I feel like this movie is somehow more successful at it than a lot of other movies that have an equal number of ridiculous plot directions. And maybe it's just because the uh, the the visual feast in front of you is so ridiculous and overwhelming that you kind of like like all right, sure, whatever, go on for another half hour as we go from the United States to Cuba because I don't care. This is kind of ridiculous and crazy and I want to watch it. Well, it's the spectacle, but it's also the comedy. Um, Martin Lawrence. There's some pretty good comedy in this one. Yeah, Martin Lawrence and Will Smith uh, returning, of course, for their roles, uh, deliver great performances. Uh, and I I even like Martin Lawrence in this better than I liked him in uh, the previous movie. Uh, as, mm-hmm. as I told you, my, my first time seeing it, I, I found him to be grading and i found the problems that they had like the characters personal problems to be sort of dumb and mostly about people not communicating what they were doing uh and while in this movie there are secrets uh that people are keeping it's not a matter of it's not a matter of like the the ridiculousness of oh i'm really this guy no you think i'm him but i'm over here and i'm definitely this other guy i gotta be out of town sweetie nobody call me um like that stuff's not in this movie uh so you you get uh, a chance for them to do more stuff uh that is funny and not as distracting um even though the the ridiculousness of uh, the number of car chases that they get into as police officers and the situations that they walk into without backup seems higher than you would expect. Uh, <laughs> it, it is it is still uh, it is still something you can be on board with just in terms of the uh, the the sort of ridiculousness that we expect from these action cop movie genre things. Mm-hmm. Although it it is a bit weird how. The $130 million budget is kind of like represented in all of it. Like we we don't see uh, Mike's place in this movie again, but we see a lot of Marcus's place, which is very, very nice and much nicer than it was in the previous movie. Yeah, so he's, he's they, right they, there they on the intercoastal. Races, apparently. He's on the intercoastal. So Is that is that some prime real estate? Um, I mean, it's better than not being on the intercoastal, uh, although <laughs> I'm, I'm sure his hurricane insurance is very high. Uh, I wonder if that's one of the uh, the the pieces of real estate Michael Bay bought after the first movie because that's his mastiff in the pool, if I'm not mistaken. It could be. He's apparently several mastiffs. He's a yeah. Di- didn't we read in the trivia last time that yeah. he uh, likes to put him in all of his movies? Yeah, he's a mastiff fan. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you know what? Uh, what is in the same family as the mastiff? Pug. Pug. But they're so tiny. Whenever you see those photos on Instagram of a mastiff and then a pug next to it, it's just hilarious because like you shrink him. He's just so t- it's just like a tiny, tiny mastiff. I feel like uh, I feel like Marcus could have benefited from having a pug. It would help him relax a little bit more. 
Mm, Woosa. Um, that was a weird or, thing in this movie too. Like the, apparently uh-huh. the whole department uh, is so just like high stress because of the nature of their work that they all have to go to th- like group therapy stuff on a regular basis. And they all have this like serenity now program that they're on. Yeah. Well, you know, if you work in a division that's called TNT, um, <laughs> something tells me it's, it's so hilariously like it's so bad and done like so seriously that like you can't help but respect the fact that he was willing to go like yeah of course the division's called tnt like that's what we're going with like we all know it's like a joke but we're going serious with it like yeah it it goes so far in the cheesy direction that you have to like take it seriously again i mean i snap to attention whenever they they try to do something serious in this movie and you know like when they're calling out like coast guard uh things like we we have a fast mover or something like that like whenever they use like actual like terminology for something i'm just like wait what we're in a we're in a in a real situation all of a sudden because the rest of it is like henry rollins and uh tnt and and joe pantoliano just yelling uh and uh i i appreciate all of that but it but it but it is always surprising whenever they they do have those moments of trying to take it seriously and i do wonder if that was maybe a stipulation of um getting the uh sign off on collaborating with using coast guard helicopters and police helicopters and stuff like that when they were trying to film this movie um they probably wanted to make nice so they couldn't make them as uh perfunctoral and uh unnecessary as they were in the the first film well i think uh i think michael bay also has a bit of uh uh <laughs> a bit of a hard-on for the military oh if you look at how seriously he takes like because he did pearl harbor right before mm-hmm. this and then a big part of transformers is like the very serious military people and he's like yeah man like let's get into it like he he's one of those guys that would go out on the weekend and dress up and play military and stuff but he's very into like the seriousness of it so i think i think part of that is him just like getting way too into like a hobby and wanting to make it seem super real mm-hmm. yeah yeah interesting fact mm-hmm. that i didn't know uh the the movie was written by a uh, husband and wife team really mm-hmm cormick and marianne wilberly Hmm. What have, what have they written other than this? The Sixth Day, I Spy, Charlie's Angel Full Throttle with John August, Bad Boys 2, <laughs> National Treasure, The Shaggy Dog, National Treasure Book of Secrets, G-Force, oh God, Common Law. <laughs> uh, G-Force is the one with the guinea pigs, right? Yeah, I worked on that. Did you really? I, oh, I worked on the stereo conversion of it. Um, oh my word yeah which was an internal team at sony like this was before you would farm stuff out to stereo d to do for you or the legend or whatever so we we had a whole what i was gonna say how did you handle the fur Uh, (laughs) so there was a pipeline where uh for the close-up shots you could re-render uh from the other camera uh the 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 thingy and because of that's good yeah, because of the way Sony uh, Pipeline had studiously uh, archived things at render time that would go to the farm, um, then you would be able to recreate uh, whatever it was with whatever the ver- current, whatever the versions of the shaders and software was at the time that that shot was originally rendered. Unless, of course, the artist had rendered over it uh, with a different thing and then did the other half with motion blur turned on and then you know there were ways to break it uh but and i found all of them but uh 
that would be how they would do it uh, for the the close-up shots. For the further away stuff, they pioneered this uh, reprojection technique where they would take the Z-depth pass and you'd basically use that uh, to build a point cloud and uh, shoot an image, the original images, including the AOVs, uh, onto that, that uh, point cloud uh, stuff. And then you could turn the camera and then render that out you would get some stretching in some cases but uh yeah i was gonna say i guess since you control the scene that was creating the z depth pass you could render it with an appropriate amount of detail but still it's not the best way to make depth no no it's not uh and like i said it'd be for stuff that was further away so if you have something that's like a character off in the background or something they don't need to be uh, like rendered for hours and hours and hours because reprojection would just take like minutes to do, um, which was very economical. So you could even just do uh, the reprojections and find out if it was working uh, before you went and did the rest. Although we're not here to talk about uh, how to make guinea pigs 3D. Uh, we are here to talk about the other masterpiece, which is Bad Boys 2. Mm. Did you know this was no the 3D. last R-rated film directed by Michael Bay until Painting Game? No, um, and and pain and gain is as we had discussed in our episode where we did pain and gain. Um, that was uh, Michael Bay trying to uh, go back to this sort of bad boys two thing and redo that again. Only it was worse with with inept bad guys instead of uh, uh, charismatic good guys. Yeah, and but he you know he kept all the misogyny and homophobia and stuff. So good for him. Um, uh, but uh, that's. That's uh, that's just how you got a cookie crumble that or something. I don't know. Uh, but the uh, writing on this, while while we were just mocking some of the other works that uh, Cormac and Marion Wilberley had contributed to, uh, the, the the writing on this is significantly better than the first movie. Um, as ridiculous and silly as many of these things are, uh, I find that uh, Gabrielle Union's character has better writing than what Taya Leone's character was doing in the first one where she's just like, I, I, I'm suddenly so traumatized by the thing. I'm going to leave this uh, apartment and go to a club and shoot them just because the writers can't figure out a way to up the stakes. So uh, none of that sloppiness is here necessarily. Uh, so it's a little better written in that regard. Yeah. I mean, although, I mean, how, how much, how good does writing of a procedural cop nature really have to be before you just sort of like it just fades into the background and then at that point it's really about what you're looking at and the actors portraying the roles oh yeah no i'm not making the argument that they deserve any sort of award for what they've uh <laughs> yeah, written right but like there are still a few lines there is one line in this movie that haunts my dreams it is so like it shouldn't be there and it, it like it makes no sense and it's poorly executed to the point that it's like it, it's glaringly bad and I hate that it's in this movie. Not not that it has any impact on the movie itself, but it's one of those ones where it's just like, okay, I can tell that you're making a movie now and you should have cut that out in the edit. Do you, do you want to guess which line it is and who says it? No, do it. It's uh, when they're fleeing uh, his Cuban house, going back down through the tunnels, and then uh, they pop back out in their little like hangout area across the street. And I whatever, Vargas Reyes, I don't know which one is which he he leans up against the wall and goes the cuban army was everywhere it's like first of all who are you talking to second of all what is why are you saying that everyone you know what's going on you're saying things to the camera so we know that there are things like there are a number of lines where it's just like we are going to say this out loud 
to make it very clear to the audience that this is what is happening, even though we've already said it before or establishing it. And that line, it hurts my soul. I don't know why that line gets to me because it's just like, you're in a hurry. You should be running away now. You need to stop and take a moment and say something out loud. So like we, we are on the same page. Like, yeah, we have eyeballs. We see what's happening here. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't even know if that's the writers necessarily. It could have been Michael Bay there. Well, on... I'm sure it's probably just like, yeah, uh, d- do some things like, you know, mm-hmm. you have to like the other one is um, when uh, got the Gabrielle Union's uh, backup guys in the van. Uh, what is, What is it that happens? Oh, like when they first start hijacking her, um, one of the guys throws his headphones against the thing and says, like, son of a bitch. And then he looks at his other guy for a second and waits and then turns and then runs out the other side of the van. It's like. You can tell, you can see the director going like, I need you to throw your headphones, I need you to look to camera so we can see your face, that you're mad, take a beat, turn, and then go out the door. And it's like, no, that's not what this should look like. And I can see you, air quotes, acting, and mm. you should just go. Yeah. Extras, what are you going to do? I think that guy threw his headphones like three times in this movie. Like, that was his whole thing. He would curse and then throw his headphones against the wall. Well, he does that again when uh, Gabriel Union is abducted later on. Um, and the, uh, the, the, the DEA guys were idiots um at the very end there he has some wireless headphones on and he just he's wearing them as he runs out of the van it's like oh he didn't throw this pair i guess it's because it's not attached to a cord yeah loses some of the effect um no it's uh, a this movie uh also has uh, a lot of the uh glitziness of michael bay um on display here uh whereas (laughs) i feel about the color correction yeah well the color correction but also just this this doesn't look like uh this doesn't look like the first Bad Boys movie, which looked like Beverly Hills Cop two. Um, mm. It doesn't look like it was a Tony Scott nineteen uh, eighties movie. Um, Michael Bay is doing his thing now. At he, this he's point. doing a Tony Scott two thousands movie. <laughs> it's it seems a little distinct, um, but uh, but but sure, yes. Uh, as as I, I I tried to describe it as succinctly as possible when I was watching it earlier, and we're talking in the Slack. It's like it's it's Tony Scott did a lot of cocaine and watched the Thong Song music video by Joseph Kahn a whole bunch of times, and then just like thought that would be a good idea to turn into a movie. Yeah, it's basically that. Like the first twenty thirty minutes of the movie, like you know they're they're using like abbreviated editing. Where you're like, all right, we don't need to see every whole scene start to finish, but you go through like five scenes in like three minutes and it's just like bang, bang, bang. Like there is no time to breathe between anything. Like people aren't even in the first half of the movie, people are not taking that extra beat so we can capture the action. They're just like, they're talking over each other and like, there's no time for what actor a said to even register with actor B before they respond. It's insane. The first part of this movie sort of, uh, drops a bunch of leaflets from a plane about what the movie is about. And then during the second act, you start to piece together some of these leaflets. And then, then in the third act, you have figured it out and you're wondering why the movie hasn't ended. Um, I, I, like, that, that's that's kind of how I think about it. Because at the start of this movie, uh, you have, like, pills in Amsterdam um, and, like, text on a screen. And then the pills go on a boat. And then the boat drops coffins in the water. And then there's a dive team that picks up the <laughs> coffins. And you're just like, what? Wait, what is even happening? It, like, it's, like you, it's the opening credits scene. Like you gotta, you take them on a ride. Like, um, did you ever see uh, God of War with Nicolas Cage? Oh God, why would I do that to myself? 
Uh, well, there, there's a credit sequence that a lot of people think is really impressive because it follows like the life cycle of a bullet being created in a factory, being packaged up, being shipped, being bought, being sold to some other like terrorist, like all the way through the point of where it goes into a gun and shoots somebody. It's basically that, but with drugs. Yeah. Also, they did this first. Uh, I mean, this movie was yeah, first. Whatever. But sure. um, I did notice that when they're doing the the pill thing, they do the the whole speed up and then expose thing um because so, they're slowing down the film stuff <laughs> now, now that you pointed out in the last movie yeah this is this is in that era oh this was done by this was color corrected by company three i wonder who the colorist was on this but this yeah this this is shot on all different kinds of film so much film yeah uh we've got three different types of panavision four different types of panavision cameras the crash cams the imos and an airy camera i don't know which one i guess one of these is the uh high-speed camera yeah. I'm going to see who the colorist was, see if I can figure yeah, it out. I also don't have any familiarity with uh, the cinematographer, uh, Amir Mokri, um, mm. who, who who did this, uh, and he's done... <sighs> Man of Steel. Yeah. Oh, wait, Transformers. Lord, oh, Lord of War, that's the one I was the, talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I wonder where you got the idea. Um, <laughs> like God, God of War. Uh, Fast uh, and the Furious. Game, yeah. Pixels. Ooh, Fast and the Furious, really? Yeah. Pick. Pick pixels, pixels. Um, but uh, but this this movie really is a high watermark for a lot of people, isn't it? Mm, sure. Is there a better Will Smith? Well, I mean, Independence Day is probably better Will Smith movie. Could be. It's interesting though that uh, Amir did uh, Transformers: Dark of the Moon and Transformers: Age of Extinction, but he didn't do the other Transformers for Bay. Probably, mm. uh, you know busy conflicts with the schedule yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. uh but but uh, but uh anyway we got the the whole thing of and you're trying to figure out why any of this stuff you're seeing is happening um and you're not going to get an explanation because <laughs> that, that just is going to be something you learn about later if you're watching it's the movie the, for a second rough, time it makes sense <laughs> the rough world of uh drugs and things man yeah yeah um and they uh, a lot of vfx artists listed here yeah they take the the coffins that they've fetched on the boat and then there's like a, a they arrive at a clan rally uh and it's like oh you didn't tell me it was going to be tonight and he pushes off out of there and there's the rally that's getting busted by uh, uh the miami pd uh guys but for whatever reason they're holding back inside the the water because their radio isn't working and they can't like i don't know use binoculars or something uh well, their goggles are flaring because they have night vision goggles, uh, which apparently you can't turn off the night vision and just use the, the, the zoom part of it. Yeah, the regular part. Yeah, it, it, it's it's really contrived. It basically is there just to get Will Smith and Martin Lawrence in trouble. Uh, and uh, they do get into trouble. Um, and uh, Will Smith shoots Martin Lawrence in the butt. Uh, that is a pretty awesome shot, though. Like, it, like the, the it's a ridiculous slow-mo VFX stitched together crazy thing but it's a pretty great shot right well but it it is directly aping uh that that corn music video where that bullet is like smashing through everything <laughs> uh that, the, the bullet that will smith fires even goes through three glass canisters before it hits uh uh marcus in the back part of his like lower butt upper thigh area where it seems to be seamed together i don't know um, and then mm. flies through. Oh, yeah, the music video was 1999. I thought it was closer than that. Yeah. Uh, but it's, uh, it, 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 it's just one of those things of like, of course it went through three glass canisters. That was that was really vital to what was happening. Uh, but uh, 
when you got a slow mo camera, cool just go for it. I guess uh, it was and, cool. Like yeah. you know, you don't you don't need a reason for everything, do you? You don't. But I feel like this is a movie where you don't need a reason for anything. <laughs> 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 so they they uh there's, there's some confrontation after the rest of the police department actually comes in to the rescue and then they don't they just have like a couple bags of the thing they were there for the bust for and they don't know what's going on uh their source did something something whatever uh ice pick yeah and they uh gotta go find more deets and things (sighs) and uh you you get you get uh the revelation that uh sid um is marcus's sister who works for the dea and is just just has a simple desk job uh and uh she's she's at the family barbecue um which is not technically a barbecue in the sense of barbecue it's just a grilling grilling event that they're having um mm. they're not they're, there's no smoking so it's not technically a barbecue just gonna put that out there is that uh, is that florida rules or is that just sort of that's barbecue rules that's barbecue rules uh florida will call anything a barbecue because florida has no, no rules it's anarchy <laughs> but uh the uh there is a the 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 above ground pool which the second you mm-hmm. see it you you hate because like any right-minded human being everyone hates above ground pools uh i my my uncle had an above ground pool um still has an above ground pool um mm. i was not a fan my uh my my grandparents had like a regular pool pool um and i was like this is the best pool ever and then the <laughs> above ground pool was not as good you know um I'm just now realizing, I don't know if you remember, about two years ago, I did a, I did a, I did a thing, I did a commercial that involved an above-ground pool. Yeah, yeah. Flooding. I, um, it seemed to recall, and there's a knife that, I'm uh, sorry, not a knife, uh, a sword. That, a samurai sword, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I didn't realize that I, I subconsciously probably got that idea from this movie, but I will add to you that uh, the whole thing where you like rip a post out and the whole pool comes flooding out. Uh, not really as easy as you might imagine. No, fact, that's uh, impossible. That's why when you look at the screen left, you can see water being pumped uh, into in, the pool. Into the pool because yeah, that's what's cascading tank. out of it. Even getting the pool to uh, fail dramatically and split apart is incredibly difficult. It's probably easier to do in hot Miami, but in cold uh, Sedona, Arizona, in the shadow, when there is still uh, ice and snow on the ground, um, very difficult. I could I could see how that would be a a, a problem. Yeah, yeah, it would freeze up a little. Um, but uh, this is this is entertaining because you get the the conflict, you get the secrets of uh, you know, Marcus not talking to his partner about how they aren't going to be partners anymore because he finds this too stressful, and you get uh, Sid talking to uh, Will Smith about how uh, they need to be together, and this is my my thing that drives me nuts in this movie. My thing that makes me This angry. is your Cuban army is everywhere? Yes. Yes. And that is the shadows from the palm fronds that are on the actors are completely <laughs> different. They're cutting back and forth between the two actors because they recorded their their setups at different times of the day. And it makes me so upset. <laughs> it is it is the nature of coverage and more movies than not do this that when you get into shot reverse shot kind of stuff, if you can't shoot it at the same time or for whatever reason you basically you light one person to make them look good, and then when you flip around, you light that person to make them look good. And oftentimes, if you look at the person who is not directly on camera, you can see that the light is not in the same place anymore. But this has the added wrinkle of 
I think only like one of the shots, like the slightly wider uh, shot on Gabrielle Union, has palm frond shadows. None of the other ones do. Like they have like split lighting, like the sun is coming from a certain direction. There's mismatch between the different cameras, but uh, only one of the shots has palm fronds. Just makes me angry. I don't. <laughs> I just get so upset because it's also it's like they took a lunch or something when they were in between the setups, and it's like, come on. You're all there at the same time. Just shoot it. Just shoot I mean, honestly, thing. they probably shot all of Marcus's house stuff outside in a single day. So they probably had to move quickly between things. I guess. I just, I, I find it distracting. And I know that it's not going to bother anybody else, but it bothers me. And that's all it really I care about. It didn't bother me that much watching this. I was just like, oh, yeah, there's that thing Joe was talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I have a background in lighting and compositing. <laughs> and I notice these things. And I, I have uh, a homegrown background in compositing and just like, yeah, it's close enough. Nobody will notice. <laughs> this, this is why you break pools, um, is this movie. This is why I break pools with samurai swords. Yeah. Uh, no, you can't, you can't break a pool with samurai sword. You can't break a pool with monofilament yanking on it either. You, you can break it with a very thick rope and a box cutter. Okay. Well, that's I'm good sad to know. that the, the Wikipedia page doesn't have a section on production. I honestly want to know how many days did it take to shoot, uh, difficulties, other things on sets. I'm sure that's under your IMDb trivia pages, but uh, that is neither here nor there. Because um, the other important part of this this scene is that uh, we have the the characters go off to do this bust and gabrielle union goes off to do her dea stuff uh which is totally just desk work uh and we get to see like peter stormare counting money um which is nice peter stormare is good in this uh i think this was the first peter stormare movie i've i ever saw and this was I, the beginning of the uh uh, drunk Russian mob boss cinematic universe for him. Uh, he he did it a lot. He's not even Russian. Uh, but uh, <laughs> where but, is he from? Um, oh, where was it? Sweden. He's from. He's Swedish. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. He 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 plays this character a lot. Although he died in this one. So also his name is Rolf Peter Ingvar Storm, not Peter Stormare. Really. Hmm. I wonder if we have any uh, relatives since Storm and Storm is the same. Yes, yes. It's only one letter different. Same, um, same word, though. Yes, same root word. So, you know, you could you could be Rolf Peter a, Danvar Sturm. So. 177 actor credits on IMDb. He's a busy guy. Wow. Uh, well, I mean, also a lot of it's European TV where <laughs> mm. he's, I'm sure he's, he's underappreciated. He's, he's, he cares about nothing. Mm. Um, oh, he he played a, a character called Vladimir in this movie. Mm-hmm. Let's see, he was Russian. Mm. Yeah. Ooh, mullet cop. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. He are, was, you gonna, uh, are you just going to keep reading these? No, I was just going to go for some notable ones, but then I got distracted. I liked him in Constantine. I thought he was pretty good in Constantine. Yeah, well, everybody liked... I mean... I can't think of a bad Peter Stormare performance. Mm. I forget. Mm. Do you have feelings on Constantine? Uh, I don't love it. Mm. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Um, 
Well, there's this the little matter of uh, a gentleman named Keanu Reeves uh, as your charismatic leading man, um, which he's not, not supposed to be charismatic. He's supposed to be uh... in, the, in the comic book series. He's he's got a little oh, more going on. You're one of those. Uh, I'm not one. I, I would not say that I am like deeply in love with the comic. But if you're watching a movie and it's just like, oh, why is why is Neo doing all of this? Um, that's a bit of a bummer. The the shining light in that movie, uh, of course, is Tilda Swinton, uh, because she's good and everything too. So mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta like your Tilda Swintons. We should talk about that movie sometime. I like that movie. Okay, we'll save it for some occasion, uh, mm-hmm. but not today. Uh, also, and, I, don't, I don't I don't read comic books. That's fine. Um, I'm this isn't a, a literary test. Uh, but uh, they. They uh, go to do this, this stuff, and there's a bust that happens once the money is changed, and it's the Haitians that uh, Will Smith and uh, Martin Lawrence are after um, that are trying to get the money that Gabrielle Union is supposed to be dropping, but it all goes south, and there's an enormous chase and guns and the bridge that we talked about earlier, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Apparently, there's a giant internal compartment in the back of... Uh, that particular Ferrari to keep machine guns in, which I guess is better than keeping it in your front trunk in your Porsche 911. Yeah, I, I mean, he doesn't really seem to have learned his lesson from the previous movie uh, about these cars. Uh, but of course, Martin Lawrence shoots up the dash, which is nice. Uh, and we get we get a return to the the whole thing of him not being a very good shot or driver, uh, mm-hmm. and Will Smith having to do those things. Um. Well, Smith has been that. taking some driving lessons too, because he's he's. Th- this is what he does, uh, which is a line he says, which mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to say that, but it's fine. Um, oh yeah, I just saw motion. The uh, the score in this one is incredibly repetitive, but it's 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 got some good stuff in it. Well, I mean, this movie it's is like incredibly four songs, right. This movie is incredibly repetitive, so it suits the movie. <laughs> I like the songs. Though. Yeah. You don't like the songs, like the the two songs that they were keep repeating. What do you, I, I don't know what you mean by uh, the 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 Cuban music that whenever they cut to uh, what's his face's house. No, that well, I guess I, I'm talking about the score. I keep saying songs, see, but he, well, that's why I was confused because it's all the same thing. The music from the movie. Um, well, music. Dan, a song mm-hmm. is it's not the score, and the score is not the song. <laughs> They're basically there's songs. No, there's like three. There's three songs. Uh, no, you can say tracks. I'll accept tracks. You can say, you know, other words. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. of the main reasons uh, original composer Mike Mark Mancino did not return is because Michael Bay instructed him to only come up with certain action beats for the film and not compose melodic music like he had done for the original. Yes. So well, I, you know, you be trivia right there. You know, you know why? Mm-hmm. Action beats just repeating over and over much easier to cut. <laughs> With. Yeah, totally. <laughs> like the the song when they do their uh, sneaking stop, into stop, the mortuary. Stop, stop, stop. It's not song. Just stop saying song. <laughs> the action beat associated with the scenes <laughs> when they break into the mortuary is good. And then where do they do the other one? I'm trying to remember. Um, the same sort of song. Yeah, sound, yeah. Sound uh, well, thing. I mean, but the uh, electronic stuff that's repetitive and... Um, rips off itself is a specialty of Hans Zimmer, so I, I I I totally see why he was selected for this, and why Mr. Trevor Rabin. Oh, that was Hans Zimmer. 
Oh, is no, he one of those other ghost writers who works on things? He he, he did uh, Deep Blue Sea, Armageddon, Enemy of the State, uh. and Flyboys. Those are the four that he is known for, apparently. Oh. Mm. Also, G-Force. Um, but, uh... <laughs> nice. Like, it's good to get the band back together every now and then, you know? We should, I should do a movie with with uh, with with oh. Trevor Rabin and uh, the, oh. the the husband wife duo as you know, the writers. You know, what, you know what you know what feature Trevor Rabin uh, scored after or sorry composed whatever composer credit after Bad Boys Two? No, a little two thousand four film called Torque. Oh, because <laughs> you know I was so deeply emotional and in love with the score of yeah. that film. I don't uh, remember there being a score in that movie. I thought it was all just Hoobastank and Nickelback. <laughs> uh, but uh, we haven't talked about one of the most important characters in this film yet, uh, and that is uh, Jordi Molia, um, or Moya, or how do, how do you say that? I think there's it's a, pronounced Johnny a, Tapia. Well, no, but I mean the actor's name. I, I, I would imagine, well, where is he from? He's from Spain. Well, then... He's Spanish. Moya, I guess. Yeah, but there's like an accent over the A. Anyway, I just didn't want to mess it up. It's a backwards accent, though, so I don't know what that means. <sighs> no, none of us know what that means. It's impossible. <laughs> um, But uh, anyway, so Johnny Tapia, um, as he is prone to do, uh, recites his name over and over and over again to everyone, which is... A curious but uh, entertaining affectation after a certain period of time. Oh, where... hang on. I got, I got a good IMDb trivia for this one. What? Uh, apparently that line where was... Oh, God. The, the, the line where he says his own name uh, is actually a quote from John Gotti or something. Oh, okay. Uh, like an actual... Uh, okay. The line in which Johnny Tapia says, Listen here, you Russian punk. I, me, Johnny Tapia, will sever your head off, was taken from an FBI... <laughs> A real FBI audio surveillance recording of American mobster John Gotti in which Gotti said, you you tell this punk, I, me, John Gotti, will sever your mother effing head off. <laughs> you should not do that. That's incriminating. <laughs> <laughs> you probably shouldn't say that on audio. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of, you know, uh, the, the announcing of the name uh, and then like when they're planning the wires it, it, with the rats in the attic. Yeah. I'm um, saying... Uh, I, I planted two wires into my headset. Like he, they don't even wait for that other guy to like walk off camera very far. And then when the, later we see that he walked off camera, but he's like twenty feet away, just like by the door. Yeah. What, what, one thing that I do like though, when he does the the I I me Johnny Tapia, is is that there are these really <laughs> pronounced good. pauses in between when he says these things, um, and he has I, like it's not it's not Shatner, but it's like there there are these like. Like huge pauses and like these big like dramatic moments in what he's delivering any dialogue in this movie. Like even when he's talking to his his uh, his daughter uh, about things, there there is still just like a, an edge to everything where he just seems like he's just on the verge of losing it constantly, uh, which, which makes him very interesting to watch. Uh, and I find him much more entertaining than forgettable guy from the first movie. I mean, when you're trying to conduct business uh, of your drugs on your cell phone, when the the two women in lingerie in your bed are shooting guns arbitrarily, presumably because they're high on your weird ecstasy stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, you probably get a little stressed out. Yeah, souped up ecstasy, because you got to remember, it's not just regular ecstasy. This is Mm -hmm. really bad ecstasy. (laughs) It was extra strength. Yes. 
extra strength, extra CPM. Mm-hmm. It's a it's X stress strength. Oh, that's good. See E C S T R A. That's the uh. That- <laughs> Oh God! I hope I wish somebody uh, would would take one of like the the pills and like emboss our the focus logo on it for some show art because I don't want to do that this time because I have too much stuff. To do. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, um, he's 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 revealed in a couple scenes here at the beginning, uh, and we get the the download from one of his lieutenants about the drop, and um, we also get the download about the rats, which seems. So, like, a weird problem to have. And as he points out in the movie, this is a <laughs> really, what does he say? There's a really effing stupid problem to be having right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Also, a great solution to the problem of rats eating your money is to shoot more holes in your money. Well, he seems to be on something. Um, I don't think he's thinking clearly. Uh, <laughs> he should be. I mean, yeah. we never actually see Johnny Tappy asleep. And by all accounts, maybe he hasn't slept this entire movie. Yeah, well, he he has these really dark circles under his eyes. His, his complexion is really just waxen and greasy. Uh, he he has like red bloodshot eyes in a couple of the close-ups. Like he he seems very Scarface um, for yeah. for what's going on here. I think he's the uh, sample in the product. Um, but uh, I mean, that's how else are you gonna know if your product is uh, is good or not? Yeah, although. I'm not. I'm not familiar with the side effects of ecstasy. I can't imagine being a tightly wound uh, uh, drug lord is the way that it goes. Maybe he's on mm. something else. Yeah, probably. He's probably got to have have something to combat the uh, the low key euphoric feeling or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Um, maybe that's a side effect of having too much of uh, the souped up <laughs> ecstasy. Um, but uh, <laughs> oh, one yeah. one guy dies. Uh, and then we hear the captain say that there are other people dying from soup up <laughs> ecstasy. I'm sick of all these kids dying on my streets. It's like all these it was one 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 bozo. I don't I don't care about that guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How many people die from like car accidents every day? Um, yeah, but also like I, I the love real that enemy that is, is motorized vehicles, and that's <laughs> what this movie really should be telling us. Like, look uh, at the yes. destruction that occurs in motorized vehicles. <laughs> Thanks, Austin. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> Like, how dumb are these? Like, oh, these kids ODing, we'll take them around the block and then dump them over there. It's like, what do you mean take them around the block? You can probably still hear the techno music blaring through the wall from where you dumped that kid. Like, take him further. Yes. Also, apparently they own their own, like, fake ambulance. Well, I mean, it seemed like it was a delivery-ish truck kind of a thing, but Mm. also sort of a very suspicious vehicle to own. Uh, what What I especially love about that whole thing is, like, uh... Peter Stormare has a window in the floor that perfectly aligns to the guy falling over ODing and somebody has to come upstairs and tell him that someone is ODing and he's literally looking at it through the floor. Uh, it seems like the kind of thing that where if you're going to have a, a window in your floor, you don't need the guy who runs upstairs to tell you. But uh, So why, why would anyone go to this club? It's like a filthy concrete basement where you can take drugs, but it's like you can... You could take drugs at home, like, in a bubble bath or something, man. Like, you don't have to be in that disgusting place. Well, I think that was supposed to be what Michael Bay thinks of as a uh, cool nightclub establishment. A a cool underground Russian nightclub. Yeah. Um, It had loud music, and then there was a guy breakdancing. And I think I saw, like, one piece of, like, uh, fluorescent tube lighting art or something. But other than that, it's just, like, there's, like, a leather chair and then a bunch of barren concrete Oh, and don't forget the sprinklers, Dan. Right, sprinklers, of course. Yeah, because 
you need wet t-shirts or something. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want to go mm-hmm. to a dank, disgusting basement where sprinklers go off every night, where it probably smells great, uh, and people dance and get sweaty and gross and take drugs around strangers? Like, who who wouldn't want to do that? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, the sprinklers are there to cool you off because you got to keep cool because otherwise the, the soups of ecstasy will cook your brain, as they tell you later. Yeah, I don't think control. the uh, I don't think the water would really be that cold. It would just be. I think know, it's mostly just of... there for wet t-shirts, to be perfectly honest. But uh, which you know maybe is yeah. a feature, not a bug. But uh, do you think this is people... one of those bars where at the start of the night it smells a lot like bleach because they've been trying to clean it up since the last night, or do you think this is one of those bars where it smells like the bar from the night before? It smells like the bar from the night before. Because how would you possibly clean this? Like it's going to smell mm-hmm. like stagnant water and flop sweat and probably urine if we're honest because if you got that much water people are just gonna go and then uh like i gotta be perfectly honest i i don't understand some people i hear are like you know it's just showers flowing running water anyways it's like that's not that's not an argument that i want in my life from anyone you're saying you're saying you're when people are like i'm gonna pee in the ocean everybody pees in the ocean it's like but you're near other people like it's it's about the diffusion of it. If you were in the well, middle of the Atlantic Ocean and you went to the bathroom, I wouldn't care. But I don't like, think by the shoreline, standing two feet from people and urinating is is the thing. But like if you got yeah. like a fifteen foot buffer or something, there's there's plenty of diffusion there. I, I just I've there there are bathrooms in the world. It's a, it's a it's a thing that humanity has perfected is having bathrooms. I mean. Not perfected. I, I used I used the wrong word there because there are a lot of really bad bathrooms. But it's the kind of thing where there is the possibility of having a good bathroom. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't know I don't understand people who are just like oh well I give up I better just urinate right where I am. Mm. That Although urinating on yourself in the ocean is probably more hygienic than going to those uh, bathrooms at the beach. Well, then there's the, the the surfers who were like oh you know your wetsuit to stay warm you got to pee in it and it's just like Ooh. no <laughs> no that's the the wetsuit is there to keep you warm that's what it's for. No, 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 but then the, the, the people pee in it. Yeah, no, um... Did, did they do that? I, I saw that on a thing, on a Discovery Channel, you, or, like, Unless something. you, like, have to go, and you're, like, way offshore, and you just, like, don't want to go in, like... I, don't, I, don't pee in, I, don't pee in I am not, I am not excusing anybody's thing. As I said here, I am the critic of this. This is bad. Nobody does, mm. nobody do this. And so, the, you, well, your whole thing of this club being disgusting, I believe... Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I will stand one hundred percent behind uh, my opinion that the, the people in this club are urinating on themselves. First of all, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't think there are a lot of bathrooms in this club. There might not be any because it's a basement too. Like, who has a bas- a, a, a bathroom and or at least like a multi-person use bathroom in a basement like this? Nobody. Well, at least Peter Stormare has to have one in his office. Oh, for sure. Like he yeah. doesn't, he doesn't screw around. No, Although, he's, he's he's got a private bathroom. He's got that. He's got that door. Uh, where he like sticks his head out and then like slams the door so we can see that it's got like uh, some curse words on it and some Russian words on it and then like suddenly he's above everybody so does that door just like lead to a staircase? Uh, maybe there are multiple floors to his um, weird ecstasy sex sprinkler dungeon. Mm. So you uh, you you got like a like a rinse cycle and a dry cycle. Yes. If you're, get, if you're getting a little too pruny in the fingertips, you can go up to the second floor and dry off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's 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 like a it's like a Russian bath. Um, you got you got your different rooms. So you can go in saunas and stuff. <sighs> See, when you say Russian bath, I just think of Eastern Promises. I know that's what I was thinking of too. Oh, Viggo Mortensen God. just 
killing a bunch of people in there. Oh, how great would that be for a crossover? Like, you've got this ecstasy club, and then the camera just pans over, and you've got Viggo Mortensen <laughs> sitting in the corner in a towel, and then some bad guys come in and start some stuff, and then the, you've got naked Viggo Mortensen fighting, and then you've got people in, like, neon uh, bikinis and stuff taking ecstasy. Mm-hmm. And then John Wick comes in from the door that has, like, red uh, fluorescent lighting and starts shooting people. Yeah. It's one way to do mm. it. That I mean, those movies have to be in the same cinematic universe, right? At least John Wick in this movie, if if not Eastern Promises as well. I don't think Eastern Promises is because it's a little more serious than this. A little more bleak. Yes. Um, we should we should do that sometime because it's so bleak. <laughs> but uh. I, uh... Yeah. I thought once I I and I don't really remember all of it and but I do remember that I've never had an urge to watch it again. I mean, it's shot beautifully, um, and it's beautifully made. It's just, it's just despair. Just so much despair. Mm. <laughs> like what, what was the what was the, oh, what was the name of the 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 Tom Hanks movie um, where Paul Newman is the the bad Irish mafia guy. Oh, uh, what's the name of that one? Road to Perdition. Yes, yes, Road to Perdition. Um, that's also a very beautiful, wonderful movie that is incredibly depressing that I don't want to watch. Was that, just... a, was that a Roger Deakins movie? Uh, sure. Or am I conflating that with something else? I feel like um, it was either Roger Deakins or uh, the other guy who I'm thinking of. I'm blanking the on the, the guy with the hair. <sighs> Maybe. Con, con some uh, Conrad Hall. That's yeah, who it is. that's who it was. Road to Perdition. American you know, Beauty. You know dude. why? Because mm. Conrad Hall did American Beauty. Yeah, and it's the same director. Sam Apparently, uh, Butch Cassidy. Oh, okay. Well, Which I mean, is, it's not really known for its cinematography. Uh, well, I mean, everybody's got a couple to try so hard on, but uh, <laughs> they. <laughs> Conrad Hall is I, I like his I like his cinematography but uh, anyway bleak movies uh, of, of which uh, Bad Boys 2 is not one um, because mm. this is this is candy um, and uh, so this uh, whole thing of the stuff they have the convoluted uh, confrontation with the sister about things and they uh, need to keep things where they are so that they can, you know, continue with whatever they're doing, but they're not going to coordinate in any way, shape, or form for several acts of this film um, for no particular really good reason. Uh, they uh, go to talk to Ice, Ice Pick, um, and uh, they, they break up his shop. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to stop you here. There's no way you can go through the plot points in this movie. We're no, I'm just hour. trying to like speed through it as fast as possible. So they break like up the shop, go to the Haitian place, do the 360 camera nausea scene, and then they... It's a pretty good scene. I, li- I like the, the VFX, although, you know, uh, Marcus does have a point that he walks in and starts being very uh, wild and accusatory and uh, confrontational before even like trying to... You know, say anything to anybody. Yeah, but I do. I do like the slowly simmering rage in Marcus that finally just explodes out of him when when the scene is over, um, and they have one guy who isn't dead yet, uh, and so Martin Lawrence is just barely holding it together with his therapy stuff, mm-hmm. um, and uh, that makes for an effective good cop bad cop uh, s- scenario uh, because we as the audience believe that this bad cop is actually <laughs> just a little unhinged. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, there's some good parts in that opening scene there with the KKK stuff where, you know, uh, Will Smith is all like, 
we came here ready to die. And Martin Lawrence is like, the hell are you talking about? No, I don't want to die. Stop mm-hmm. that. There's there's some uh, some colorful language that I uh, just abbreviated there with different words. Um, yeah, and then there's the bad videotape store scene um, that I don't like at all because it's the cheapest of the cheap jokes. It's not good. No. Um, but it, the, the main central comedic theme is that uh they accidentally get put on the tvs inside of the electronics store and they're talking about them being partners uh which in the and and how um marcus's butt hurts and how he can't have an erection anymore because of nerve damage because of what he did to his butt um and that is what plays over the speakers inside the the thing and so uh you get you get the uh the peanut gallery weighing in on it during their conversation which goes on forever uh and it's supposed to be a farcical misunderstanding because you see they are police partners and he was merely shot in the butt with a pistol and uh not with not with uh other things that are pistols but um so speaking of pistols yeah um what one of the continuity errors in this movie that drives me a little bit nuts is in the end scene there uh on the minefield i don't know if, if you noticed that uh when uh martin lawrence does his little roll and pops up and does his his good shot right into johnny tapia's forehead he is using one of the guns that uh will smith carries and not the uh gun that he has been carrying the entire movie and was even carrying in the wide shot but in that close-up shot they switched it out to the other gun and it drives me insane it didn't bother me because i don't really obsess about guns it's the wrong one because okay. Will Smith is holding one, his yeah. second gun is is in Gabrielle Union's hand, and she tosses and blows up that other guy, and then suddenly uh, Martin Lawrence has one of those two. What what the thing that I really don't like about that scene is Gabrielle Union delivering her catchy, quippy little line before she tosses the gun. I'm gonna throw it right at your feet, right next to the landmine. Also, yeah. in that like as he's throwing it, you can see Martin Lawrence like starting to lean over. Like, you can see, like, tell that he was trying to, for continuity's sake, to, like, pretend to start his roll so it would cut well. But he starts it so early that he, like, bends to the side, and then he just kind of sits there in this weird sort of, like, 90-degree bent side position while Gabrielle Union does her little roll. And then they finally get to it eventually when they cut back from a different angle. It's it's a weird shot. Um, He just sort of crouches and, like, kind of, like, stands there. Yeah. Uh, Pretty cool, though. They... They do, do. They discover the mortuary and things, and they do the tapping with the stuff. Uh, and the, hiding, hiding drugs in uh, hollowed out dead bodies. Uh, not not a police procedural thing that I've seen in a different in an other show or movie. No, no, definitely. This is the originator of that. Um, and you get uh, uh, a lot of very interesting scenes, like the chase that ensues with dead bodies being thrown out of the car, and um, you have your promotional consideration from Cadillac. Uh, <laughs> I like the Dan Marino part. I, I that part makes me laugh. Well, w- one thing I like about that the, the ridiculousness of the Cadillac thing is that uh, Will Smith has to keep saying how if he wasn't going to if he wasn't destroying this car, how he totally would be driving one. Mm-hmm. Because they obviously want to make it clear that it's not a joke that somebody's considering buying this Cadillac because they are receiving promotional consideration from GM, like mm-hmm. like other Michael Bay movies. Um, there apparently also seems to be promotional consideration in here from Bacardi because there's <laughs> – why else would you even mention that you're having – uh, a Bacardi mojito. It's like, ooh, <laughs> how fancy. <laughs> there was also a case of Sky Vodka in Russian guy's uh, office, which I'm sure all of the uh, Russian mob bosses really go for Sky. It's really the, the best 
vodka on the market. No, no. Even back then, like he'd be drinking if he was really going to be doing. Uh, if he was if he was gonna do some real real like look at my money thing, then it would be like Grey Goose uh, or Kettle One. Um, but if he was doing like I'm a real Belvedere OG was back then too, wasn't it? What Belvedere wasn't that on the market back uh, then? Oh yeah, too? Belvedere also. Yeah, that was a big one. Um, but uh, if he was doing some like real like I'm the you know uh, like real Russian gangster and I get my stuff straight from. Uh, Mother Russia. If he if he did that kind of a thing, that would be the other way to go with it. Um, but but I, I I would think that he would go with the most expensive and not um the m- mid bottom shelf that is Sky. So, yeah, yeah. I, um, I think I drank some Sky uh, on like my twenty first birthday or something. Because look how much you could get for very little money. Oh, it's one of the the, the wonderful things about vodka. Um, mm-hmm. uh, wh- I would like to say that the line when he's when he's driving, like I, I, it's it's a Will Smith delivered line, which is why it's fun. But I love the line where he says, "Dan Marino should definitely buy this car." Well, not this car because I'm gonna f this one up. But yeah, I yeah. just like it. Yeah, well, I mean, he does a good job of delivering that promotional consideration line. Um, it's still a funny line too. Yeah, but but he also says it again uh, when they're destroying the car later on. Um, and, and it's interesting. In 2003, because this is the same Cadillac CTS that you see in uh, <laughs> Matrix, in Matrix re- uh, uh, Reloaded, um, they do the same, well, not the same car chase, but they do a complicated car chase scene uh, with a Cadillac. Uh, so I, I find that particularly amusing in the era. Uh, like there, there are like twin Cadillac CTS car chase scenes uh, from from the same same moment in time. Um, but, I mean, why not, right? Like, it's it, we're still talking about it now. It's still kind of iconic, even if we're talking about it in the sense that look how silly it was that Cadillac did paid all this money to get their cars in the movie. Also, I have to say, at the time, I thought that the Cadillac CTS was uh, the uh, a good looking Cadillac that GM was making. It was not necessarily something that I wanted or thought looked like it was stylish for me as a human being. Um, and they've done several iterations since then, and it it has improved in looks. So now, when you look at this one, it basically just looks like a box <laughs> with like a Gillette razor strapped to the front. Right. It it very much does look like a razor or like a like a pencil box or something. Yeah, it, it's it is it is kind of entertaining to me how that was like a a very stylish look for a car. Uh, they it it got better over time, but uh. I think uh, the CTSV is still one of the fastest production cars you can buy these days. Yeah, but I don't know if they've made the CTSV uh, version of the uh, what is it called? Uh, I, th- I think they changed all the names and stuff. There's like a CT6 or something now. Uh, like well, everything has a CT. Like there's an SUV. <sighs> there's like a two seater. There's like the sedan version. There's well, a they they keep changing the names of their SUVs. This is like the XT something now. I think. Um, but but mm. anyway, whatever Cadillacs, uh, uh, interesting vehicles. But we 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 are not here to 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 have any more things unless there's promotional consideration furnished by GM. So get in touch with us, and we will record our podcast in a moving vehicle um, with your logo on it. But uh, I I will I will create a car chase and crash <laughs> it into stuff, and I'll even shoot holes in it. Uh, just <laughs> just like both of those movies did. Uh, we'll, we'll throw in some, some digital effects. Um, but, uh, oh, sure. Yeah, no, definitely digital. I would definitely not do that. 
I'm crossing something out on my little notepad here. No, I'm good. Yeah, um, um, yeah IMDb Trivia says uh, Michael Bay had to shut down production for a little while because he had to settle a legal matter with his financial advisors. That's very ominous and, and uh, uh, abstract. I'm not entirely sure what that's supposed to mean. I don't know either, but that's why I don't really read IMDb Trivia. Because um, it's, it's often without any context. <laughs> but uh, there's a... Uh, the res- resolution of this chase, of course, is that there's dead bodies everywhere, and some of them have been driven over and stuff. And Joe Pansliano gets to show up on set, <laughs> <laughs> just yell about it. Has about somebody done a YouTube uh, a video or a mashup where they play uh, "Let the Bodies Hit the Floor" and over this this scene? Uh, I don't know that they have, but uh, that space is certainly open to you if you choose to fill it. Um, uh, what I want. When I, when I thought you were going to say it was a supercut of just Joe Pantoliano yelling. Um, th- that's that's something I could go for because uh, he he has he has some some pretty nice dialogue about how upset he is uh, at times. Um, like uh, like uh, the one line where he's 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 got brass so far up his butt that he's uh, what was it? he he be playing stars and star 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 banner or something like that. It was, yeah, it's such a just like yeah. What's the most generic uh, police captain crap we could have him say? Yeah, but or the I, other one was a captain so far up my ass. I can when he spits, it's coming out of my mouth. Yeah, yeah, that I mean, one was it, better. No, well, the, it's just generic, but it's just funny coming out of Joe Pantoliano because he is. A very good delivery of the stuff, but uh, they uh, get called off on this because they reveal that it's Johnny Tapia, um, and that he's like, you know, we, this department, you know, keeps getting sued every time we go up against him, so don't do anything. And then he's like, I got a, a warrant, let's go bust him up. And so they're gonna go do that, and they bust him up. Uh, and uh, uh, this is by going to the morgue and uh, Martin Lawrence is freaking out about every little tiny thing, uh, and there's just a lot of intentional gross-out humor in here, uh, but then there are two ecstasy pills which land inside of a beaker, uh, which Martin Lawrence decides he needs to drink of water right this very minute, so he uses just a beaker that he finds inside of a morgue, which is not the screening process that I go through when I'm selecting a uh, cup to drink my water out of. <laughs> Probably but, wouldn't want to pick anything that was in that room. No, I mean, God, God knows what was in it. Uh, he, it but he, he just picks up uh, the thing. He doesn't even look in it to see that there are two pills in it. Like it, there could have been a dead, fi- there could have been a se- severed finger at the bottom of that, and he wouldn't have noticed. Um, so he fills it up with water, and you get a nice uh, upshot of him glugging those back, and you see the the pills actually go into his mouth just to make sure you, as the audience, realize that he drank the pills that we've been and this is focusing on. This is souped up ecstasy, and he took two of them. Yeah, ooh, double trouble. Um, but uh, they hide. And the joke does go on a little too long when they're over at the captain's house showing him the photos, and he's running around in the background being high on ecstasy and being silly and calling mm-hmm. whoever he's calling. Vargas and Reyes. Um, but, well, uh, I mean, that's who he was supposed to call, but, yeah, you know. Yeah, tell them that thing that we were going to discuss. Tell tell them that. Um, but uh, the jig is up, and they, they shower him off to cool him off. Uh, and then they uh, get their... St- oh, and then he has an erection. Uh, that's an important plot point. Uh, but then they get their stuff so, together. Yeah. Take me home right now. <laughs> they get their stuff together to uh, uh, bust up this whole shenanigan business in the morning. And they uh, do a simultaneous bust on the, the morgue, at the harbor, and at Johnny Tapia's uh, house. Unfortunately... Nobody thought to call Gabrielle Union or the DEA, who they knew was on the case, uh, and so she is there, and she's trapped. Um, 
and uh, she gets hauled off as a hostage. Uh, and DEA guy is very upset about that, as you had noted earlier. Uh, and uh, the police do their police stuff, except uh, uh, Johnny Tapia gets out of there on his private jet instead of in the harbor. Um, but there is some very dramatic harbor chasing that goes on. Uh, if you are really into, um, you know... Coast Guard action. <laughs> long lens Coast Guard helicopter shots. There you go. And uh, shooting, shooting the engines out so the boat stops, and then later... They shoot out the, the, the engine of the Hummer, so the Hummer stops at Guantanamo Bay. Mm, yeah, and uh, Peter Stormare, unfortunately, uh, meets his demise here because he's drunk, and he drives into the bust uh, and just starts shooting up Johnny Tapia's guys. Uh, unfortunately, the police are like, hey, stop that. And then he's like, I'm not going to stop. And then <laughs> it's kind shoot of him up. weird how he goes from like uh, like Russian uh, mob boss, drug dealer guy to... I care so much about my family that the first threat I'm going to like sign over all my stuff to you. And like, I, it's hilarious to me where he goes like, shall I kill your son, the soccer player and holds up the photo of him in a soccer <laughs> uniform. It's like, he's just, he's just a kid. Like kids play soccer. You don't have to call him your son, the soccer player. Like I know information about your son. He is a, he plays soccer because look at this photo I have. Like, no, that's so stupid. He's friends with my daughter. Yeah, um, but apparently he was so yeah. despondent about losing his clubs that he gets drunk and takes machine guns to go shoot up Johnny Tapia's place. Yeah, also uh, his business partner, Joseph, um, who uh, was dismembered in that uh, bucket, uh, which was pretty dramatic. Uh, and uh, you get uh, the unfortunate end of Peter Stormare. Um, he, he, he was not a good person by any stretch of the imagination. So I guess it's fine that he died, but uh, it was... It was uh, an, an amusing character that is no longer with us. Uh, and uh, with that, we we go into the 14th act of this movie where they're like, it's time to go to Cuba. Um, the stakes I have do been raised. I like that they subverted that, like, you know, normally it's like cops versus bad guy and they're trying to accomplish their mission and they, they, they beat the bad guy, they capture him and they take the drugs all at the same time. It's like they accomplished their police mission, but the bigger goal of protecting the sister... That, that takes us on to a new place now. And now they're rogue cops. They're outside their jurisdiction. Like, we really needed the FBI guy to come and the DEA guy to come in to tell us that we don't negotiate with kidnappers and also Cuba. Yeah. Also, the, <laughs> the time scale of this makes no sense at all because uh the demand is that they do this within 48 hours or he'll kill uh Gabrielle Union. Um And... Meanwhile, once we finally get to Cuba, uh, the informants there say they've been monitoring uh, his place for a while now, and they know the patterns of when people enter and uh, stuff at the building. The guards guards play soccer every day at like 2 p.m. It's like, we called you a yesterday. Yeah, like they found a place across the street from Johnny Tapia's place, uh, and they're like, oh, you never think to look here. And it's like, yes, but also how convenient for you that you were able to find that on such short notice but they uh they then they they also have the digging um they dug a tunnel in in again this is supposedly less than 48 hours they dig a tunnel from where they are all the way underneath his property to midway in the backyard of that mansion well, so they don't call them the underground for nothing like you uh, know, they're, they're basically mole people they they <laughs> they live underground I don't feel like that's that's accurate, but uh, but they they get a whole bunch of volunteers for this ridiculous mission too. So you got one of those scenes where it's like, you know, you have my sword, whatever. Like, I don't, it's just 
ludicrous. And uh, uh, Joe Pantoliano <laughs> can't. Got a couple ludicrous references in here too. Several ludicrous references, but uh, there there is a Joe Pantoliano thing where he's he's like, yeah, I, I you know here here's some buddies of mine. They're spies. Take them. Um, and uh, they... I think this nerdy white guy who's going to drive a uh, an RC car with bombs on it. Uh, well, he the, the bombs the bombs work. They they blow up the stuff. Uh, and so they they blow up uh the mansion. Um, and it's very dramatic. Um, uh, and uh, they 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 haul butt out of there. <laughs> By the way, my favorite part of that scene is the one guy he gets shot in the leg and is like, ah, oh, I'm hit, and then immediately throws a giant bomb on the ground. I was like, wait a minute, it, was that was that your job the whole time, or is it just like, if any, all of you guys, like everybody's got a giant bomb on their back. If you get hit, immediately light your bomb, and then we'll all run away. Or like, why was that your reaction? Ow, I've been hit. Let's blow everything up. I don't know. I. This really doesn't, like I said, this doesn't make a lot of sense. They just basically wanted to have this action set piece of blowing this place up and getting Gabrielle Union back. Uh, but they rescue her in an H3 and then drive it through the remaining part of the mansion that didn't blow up from the first explosion. Uh, and then they uh, get through all of the army and all of Havana and then wind up in drug shacks that are on the side of a hill somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, which how they got from location A to location B is not explained. Um, they drive through those; those explode. They're exploding drug shacks, which is wonderful. Uh, and they uh, are trying to make their way to Guantanamo uh, uh, Bay Naval Center, and uh, they they finally get over towards there and have to stop right with the the landmine stuff. And uh, they're all like, "Yay, we're you know we're here. Just save us. We pay our taxes." And uh, I do like how the Cuban guy is like, "You can't just drive onto a naval base. What's the matter with you?" And then, mm-hmm. of course, all of the military guys pointing guns at them and shooting at their car, like telling them to stop moving because they're walking around on a minefield like insane people. Yeah, I mean, they really didn't think this through. Um, it was not a very good plan B, so to speak. <laughs> uh, but they. Plan C. It was definitely Plan C. <laughs> they uh, they have the mines uh, and the iguanas um, and uh, a former iguana uh, when he stepped on the mine. Although I have to assume for humane uh, reasons that that was that was just the magic of editing. Um, mm-hmm. But the uh, they 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 saved the day. Johnny Tapia gets shot in the head. That's how you shoot from now on. That's how you shoot. Never heard that line before. Uh, and then they uh, they 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 go back home. Uh, everything's everyone's saved. Stuff is great. Um, and uh, they, they're back poolside once more. And they have uh, another above-ground pool. Uh, and only this time they're both in it. And the, the dog does the same thing. And then they all go in the in the drink. Uh, and they float along in the intercoastal to wind up wherever that was going. I don't know, Bay of Biscayne uh, they, or something. They, they sing along to the song. Yes. Bad boys, bad boys. Hey. You know, one of these days you're going to have to learn lyrics to that, but neither one of them seems to know. No. <laughs> the lyrics of the song are very stupid, by the way. Uh, I've, I have to say, one of the more successful jokes is that these characters do not know the lyrics because I also don't know the lyrics. So that is entertaining to me because it's just one of those things that you think you've heard a lot, except you just don't, you don't realize you haven't listened. You've just yeah. heard it. You should, uh, you should download it. It's on Apple Music. Or I won't. I mean, yeah. Well, do you? uh, I forget. Do you have a a subscription music service? I do. You're on the 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 Amazons. Yes, the Amazon Music Unlimited. It's probably on there too. I'm going to bet it is. 
I forgot the name of the band. I was looking at it real quick. Hang on. Mm. Inner Circle. That's right. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. It's a good <sighs> song. So, <sighs> any, any, any final thoughts? It's a... um. Still fun to watch. Mm-hmm. It's fun to listen to. Like the, I think the thing that dates it the most, uh, Amanda pointed it out, is the is the music because you've got your uh, your your Nelly P Diddy songs <laughs> going on here, which yeah. were, were made. That song was made for the movie. It's used in the movie several times, and uh, was all over the radio and television and stuff. Uh, but uh, it's yeah, it's still it's still created some of the most ridiculous action movie tropes that we continue to steal like you know the 360 slow-mo dolly around the people standing up was in the first one and it's in this one too and it's just it's still incredibly dramatic and interesting yes bleep just got real um it sure did (laughs) uh and which is something of course uh you see in hot fuzz uh but uh it, it is it is it is definitely an interesting film that's worth seeing i don't know if it's something that uh will speak to people on every level of their emotional being but um it is it is it's it is sort of fascinating as, about as good as lowbrow action gets though it's not you know like change your world no no it, it's interesting if only <laughs> see so you... the criterion collection <laughs> <laughs> uh it's interesting if only so you can uh use it to cross-examine the other action movies that you're watching and see sort of uh, the DNA influences of things uh, on, on other things. Because as we had talked about, Michael Bay is obviously influenced by other people before he made this. And this is sort of his synthesis of other influences. So you watch this and you see all the people who riff on Michael Bay's Bad Boys 2 stuff because it's what they they had seen. So it's, it's interesting to, mm-hmm. to watch that evolution of things. Uh, now, I do have some interesting final trivia for you. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. On October 25th, 2017, the franchise is getting a spin-off TV series centered on Gabrielle Union's character, which is being developed by Brandon Margolis and Brandon Sonier. On October 31st, 2017, it was announced that the series received a pilot commitment from NBC on March 2nd, 2018. It was announced that Jessica Alba is tapped as the co-star opposite to Gabrielle Union. John Sally will reprise his role as Fletcher the Thick-Glassed uh, the glasses, glassed, uh, computer hacking nerd who helps Mike and Marcus in the movies. In April 2018, the title of the series is called "LA's Finest." It will be executive produced by Jerry she's, Bruckheimer. She's she's from New York. Mm-hmm. So, LA, um, she, people move. It's been it's been a long time. Dan is um, is this one of the pilots you're working on? No, I'm not, I'm not working on this one at all. This is news to me. I just scrolled to the bottom of the Wikipedia page. But uh, one one important thing about Gabrielle mm-hmm. Union mm-hmm. that I absolutely 100% need to make sure that you're aware of is that she was in Star Trek Deep Space Nine before she was in this movie. She played Angaran in 1997's Sons and Daughters. She was a Klingon. Lady That's Klingon. It's great news. Yeah. I you, you really needed to to know that. I did. Yes, thank you. You should watch that episode someday. I will get right on that if okay. I'm ever on a mm-hmm. random track again and they that episode comes up. Well, it seems like you're trying to get out of watching it. No, I'm making a a, a, a full commitment that if if I'm on random track and that episode comes up, I will watch it. <laughs> that that is my promise to you. <laughs> 
You can take that to the back. <laughs> All right. So, anywho. Bad Boys 2. Mm, what you going to do? Can't wait for Bad Boys 3. Mm. Actually, I really can. They should end on this movie. This movie is a high note. Yeah, I, I mean, because so much time has passed, I, I have to imagine that watching them try to do this now would not be as good. Yeah, Michael Bay yeah. is drunk with power, and uh, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are old. Well, and what's funny is there was such a uh, a big gap between the first one and the second one, as we had, mm-hmm. as you had mused in the first one, and why it looks so very different when you go from the first movie to the second movie. Uh, but I, I can't really imagine what that would wind up being like. I just think it would be like Indiana Jones 4, um, and you don't even have anything interesting happening at all uh, to support stuff. So who knows? Uh, right now, I just got to to tie all my hopes to L.A.'s Finest and see how that goes. Mm. Uh. I feel like you may be disappointed. Could be. I like Gabrielle Union, though. Sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, one thing I do like about her character in this is uh, she's she's very capable. She's not quite the damsel in distress that uh, uh, women can be in these films. Oh sure, even on mm-hmm. her uh, her first outing in the field where she had to use her gun, she uh, she held her own. Yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate though that um, she has to spend so much of the movie talking about her affection towards Will Smith's character and not like more important things that have to do with her as a character and like, yeah, those sorts of things. But that's for a better movie to handle. She got a TV series out of it. Mm-hmm. Ellie's finest. Mm. Start. Starring opposite Jessica Alba. Speaking of you, actresses. You think <laughs> yes, Jessica Alba is an actress. Technically, they're gonna, yes. They're going uh, <laughs> to sing their own version of the song with bad girls. Oh, man. Wouldn't that be something? But oh, uh, maybe, maybe they'll sing the MIA song, Bad Girls. Hmm, it's possible. Anything's it's possible. A good song. But uh, uh, do you ever watch her Fantastic Four movies? <sighs> I I have I have seen uh more of those movies than I would prefer to have seen. It's not great. No. It's really, it's really not great. No. 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 Kind of amazing Chris Evans still wanted to do superhero movies after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean they offer you Captain America. I guess it's a different thing. Mm, yeah. The first Avenger. All right. Uh Toodle Toodaloo. Bye.